Hey, everybody. It is Trags, and this is episode 22 of the Jungle Roar podcast. I welcome back Kelsey Conway of the Cincinnati Inquirer, doing great work covering the Bengals and the NFL for the Cincinnati Inquirer. You can follow her on Twitter at Kelsey L. Conway, all one word. Make sure you have the L in there. It's important. I like the new avatar, by the way. <laughs> you know, have to cheer <laughs> on the Bearcats while they try and make history for us. So this is a Jungle Roar podcast. I've had James Rapine on. I've had others on, just uh, Mo Egger, for instance, talking not only Bengals, but Bearcats. I want to get your take before we talk Bengals about your alma mater and their chances against Alabama, because you know, we had this conversation in the, I think in the tunnels uh, underneath Paul Brown Stadium last week about whether or not Cincinnati has a chance. I happen to believe they do. I happen to believe your alma mater has a fighting chance because of their defense. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say they don't have a chance at all, right? I mean, they did get themselves in, in this situation, so it's hard to say they don't have a chance at all. I just think they would have matched up better with Georgia or Michigan. Um, I think Alabama, like you give Nick Saban a month to prepare right. for a game, that's you're giving the best coach in college football, you know, and his staff more than enough time to try and scheme up things that, you know, Luke Fickle and his staff probably will have never seen this year. Um, I think what scares me the most is the play of Alabama's quarterback. Uh, I think obviously the like the, yes. uh, injury to Mechie and they're banged up at the wide receiver position. But ultimately, I just think it'll be too much for Cincinnati. Like Cincinnati would have to play the most perfect game and Alabama would have to give them a possession or two by making a mistake. Um, I just don't see the Bearcats going into the game and just, you know, downright beating Alabama at this point. But um, I know that one thing under Luke Fickle, they're going to give it their best shot. So as a fan, that's all you can hope for. But I think it would take probably a perfect game plus a couple gifts from Alabama. So uh, I answer that by saying that those are all very cogent points, very accurate as always, Kelsey. But I would tell you, if you take a look at that Auburn game, and I realize it's a rivalry game and Auburn's going to play their very hardest and their very best. I think they expose things along that Alabama offensive line that the Bearcats can get with Darian Beavers and Jay Sanders. I think they can get to Bryce Young. I think they can do that. And if they do that, I think it will be a game. But uh, the whole defensive game plan has to be getting to the Alabama quarterback and putting pressure up front. If you don't do that, they'll pick you apart. Like you said, it's a great point that Nick Saban and his staff to have a have three weeks, three and a half full weeks to prepare for one game. That's a, that's a tough mountain to climb. Right. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just, I, I have a feeling that the defense is going to show up. We all know that uh, sauce Gardner hasn't allowed a touchdown in his, in, a, in his college career. That one stat Kelsey is mind boggling. Don't you think? I mean, it speaks volumes to how good he is. Um, I mean, cause even if you could say, well, you know, what type of talent is he going up against? It's still like a pretty remarkable stat. Um, I'm very interested to see how he transitions into the NFL. I think he's a little undersized um, at the position. So I don't know if he'll have the same type of success, but yeah, he's been an incredible um, player for the Bearcats and one of my favorites to watch. 
Yeah, he's been uh, tremendous. They've been a great team to cover uh, all season long. I've covered uh, all of their home games, and I'm looking forward to going to, on the week of all weeks, uh, Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes week, uh, as the Bengals take on the Chiefs on uh, January 3rd, uh, or 2nd, I believe, January 2nd, um, at Paul Brown Stadium. I will be just getting back from the Cotton Bowl. So that will be a fun week, uh, for sure, full of football Speaking of uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, that is the other football team in town, and they are Jekyll and Hyde. And really, Kelsey, they have been all year long. It's it very, and you've brought this up, um, obviously, to Zach Taylor a couple of times. Why can't they string three wins together? If they could string some wins together and put it all, put all the pieces together, uh, I think they'd be a playoff team. I'm not believing that right now. It's just hard to see them advancing to the postseason. They're just missing. They're missing players who like have the. I think that they're. Everybody wants to say, "Oh, do they know how to win?" But at the end of the day, like I don't really buy buy that. Um, there, there's other teams that have, um, you know, younger rosters who have turned it around quickly too. I don't really buy that. Like you're paid to, you're paid to play the sport. You should know how to win at this point. So I don't really buy that. It takes teams to learn how to win. I think outside of Joe Burrow, this team doesn't have enough players with like that moxie. That is, I know how to win and I'm not going to let you take this game from me. And they don't have someone outside of Burrow who, when they are like basically sleepwalking their way through the first quarter of these games that, and I mean, we're not on the sidelines, we can't hear, but it just doesn't seem like they've got the player personalities to pull them out of a hole early, early on in the game. Like they're just missing. I think they've got really high quality character guys. I'm not sure how many like dogs they have that are like, no, you, it's a gift. You get two home games in a row in December we're not going to waste these opportunities. So for me, that's what I think the Bengals are missing. I think they're missing veteran leadership from that standpoint. Um, And I think it's hurting this team. I feel all season long, they've had that on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the defense has all season long outperformed the offense and played at a more, uh, played at a higher level, more consistently. I Mm -hmm. very much believe it's funny. You bring up the word dogs because Jadobi Awuzie in his uh, Zoom call with us on Monday used exactly uh, that term that, uh, you know, I'm going to we're going to pl- bring our dogs out. And um, he is, to me, one of the great signings, one of the great additions and has played as consistently as anybody on that defense all year long. You agree? Yeah, uh, he's been really good. Um, I think Cincinnati's defense has done more than enough, like you said, all season for this team to be a playoff team. And I think if the Bengals aren't able to kind of get this figured out over these next four games, and in my opinion, they have to win the next four games. I don't think that you can say, well, if they win three of the four, I think this team in order for like them to believe that they can do it, I think they need to get on a roll here and win three games in a row. And and unfortunately that's going to include Kansas city um, because if you want to play in, into late January, they've got to prove to themselves that they can play with some of these guys. And I know you bring up the games of Baltimore and Pittsburgh and how they looked, but you're looking at really depleted versions of the Ravens and Steelers. And I know their brands speak for themselves, but if you want to know who the Bengals really are, 
you're going to learn about them against the Chiefs because the Ravens, I mean, at this point, John Harbaugh's done a tremendous job coaching them to the fact that they have eight wins. I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly remarkable, but like Bengals don't really have a statement win over a really like high quality team that I think can make a playoff run. And I think they need to prove that to to themselves. And unfortunately they're going to have to get three wins in a row. And the third one's going to have to get come against one of the best quarterbacks from the best teams, in the NFL. But I mean, that's the hole they dug themselves in because they had no business losing to both the 49ers and chargers at home in December. So they, they put themselves in this situation. And I think if they don't make the playoffs, it's a big opportunity missed because it's not that often that the AFC is as um, like, there's not one, like, you know, just total, dominant team like anybody could win and get hot um but and also the Bengals have avoided a ton of injuries which that doesn't happen like can you imagine next year if they were to lose you know joe mixon knock on wood or someone that's a very big part of their offense or defense for a long time and then you say well how would they be if they had that like the Bengals, for the most part have their starters i mean they don't have logan wilson right now and who knows about trey hendrickson but like they if they don't make the playoffs, this is an, uh, 100% an opportunity missed for the Bengals. Yeah, no question about that. Speaking with Kelsey Conway of the Cincinnati Inquirer, doing an awesome job covering the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, we mentioned uh, the defensive side of the ball. The offensive side of the ball, to me, early in the season, I don't know if you recall this, there was conversation about which players were the nastiest. And, you know, I brought up Quentin Spain and uh, that's when Frank Pollock said, you know, he's the nastiest guy in the room. I don't think the offensive line brings the nasty nearly enough. And I don't think they win enough battles early in the games that we're talking about to really allow Joe Burrow to get comfortable. And when Joe Burrow says, and he did after the loss on Sunday against San Francisco, He said it almost takes us like a half to figure out what we have out there. Words, I'm paraphrasing, but words to that effect. And to me, what what he's really saying, Kelsey, is I got to figure out what's in front of me, what my protections are going to be like, and then I get comfortable with who's playing well in front of me and uh, we go from there. That's one reason I think they haven't been able to get off to good starts is because the offensive line just is not consistent. Yeah, uh, it's it's too hard for me to say that because I, I haven't watched enough. Like, I didn't go back and watch all of the first half compared to the second half. So I've more watched the games like from a like comprehensive standpoint the next day. Um, but I mean, are you surprised? Like, the no, offensive line was going to be yes. suspect all year long, and I think again, but isn't that frustrating, Kelsey, for a Bengal fan to to know coming into the season? You have a franchise quarterback and the weakness last year, without question. Everybody knew it here. Everybody knew it around the NFL. The weakness of the Bengals was their offensive line. Right. But the reason I think it's like, what did you, what did you want the Bengals to do? Because spend more money, spend more money on the offensive line and free agency. Cause you can't necessarily say that you're going to draft two guys. They're going to come in. That's why I didn't, I really never bought um, the fact of them uh, picking the offensive lineman out of Oregon name escapes me. Um, help me. The, Panay Sewell. Yeah, Panay Sewell. 
Uh, I like the pick of Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell because I think Jamar Chase is a game breaker. He's a playmaker, and he's proven that. They needed to do it in free agency, Kelsey, if they were going to really overhaul that that uh, offensive line. And I just think they they swung and missed, and and they put most of their dollars in the defense. Yeah, but like for me, and I didn't cover the Bengals during free agency, so it's hard for me to speak on that. But like. Just because you spend money on players and free agency doesn't guarantee that it works out. And they had to fix the defense. Agreed. They tried to to fix it with Riley Reef and um. Am I, am I blanking on whoever? No, no. I'm uh, Riley Reef was really their big free agent because Quentin Spain was a. Well, my over point from- is more of like I've covered the NFL long enough to know is it's really hard to build an offensive line and you got to do it through the draft and like look at the Colts like they are a perfect explanation of like how you build an offensive line and you keep the offensive line. I mean, I was covering the Atlanta Falcons. They were in the same situation. Like, why can they not figure out how to protect Matt Ryan better? Well, it's like, well, really good offensive linemen don't just like come out on the streets. And if they are on the streets, they're very expensive. And the Bengals just had so many holes. It's like, where do we begin? And you could argue, well, they should have spent more, but like, there's no guarantee. They at least on defense got players that they can like say they were worth our money. Whereas on the offensive line, it's just such a, peculiar position in terms of like you could think someone's really good and then not like the Chiefs they spent a ton of money on free agency and like they weren't necessarily the best offensive line at not the at the beginning of the, of the season that's correct but as the season has worn on and I think that's where coaching comes in and I think Frank Pollock deserves a lot of credit for the improvement that we have seen in the offensive line but he can only go so far. And I think the offensive line, I don't know if you would agree with this, but he has taken them uh, from below average or even way below average to a point where they were serviceable. Mm-hmm. But to get to that next level, uh, they just, I think they need better talent, more consistent talent. And look, you, you hate to kill the kid, but Jackson Carmen has been a swing and a miss for his rookie year. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, the lack of comments from Zach Taylor, I think speaks volumes to, I think their frustration with Jackson Carmen. Well, yeah, I, I 100% agree. And it, I mean, since I started covering the team, anytime Brian Callahan or Zach Taylor has been asked about Jackson Carmen, it's the same thing. We need to yes. see more consistency. It's the same answer regarding Jackson Carmen. So, you know, but, th- but that is not like, that's, that that was a miss by the Bengals, and you can't afford to miss on a second round pick that you're expecting to be a starter. Um, so yeah, they they opted to try and and you can't blame them because there's only so much money to go around. But yeah, they they gotta. We'll talk about it more because I don't want to you know get into draft or free agency talk yet because we still have a long yes. time to go before that. But. Yeah, their offensive line has been – it's been exactly what I thought, average. I do think that they've been good enough that this team could have two more wins. Um, Joe Burrow's made some bad – it thrown some bad interceptions. Jamar Chase has had some pretty crucial drops. So, I mean, are you really saying – are you stressing how bad the Bengals' offensive line is if this team is 9-5? and five? 
uh, right or a nine you know and four. I mean? yeah, 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 exactly. So. Uh, you're probably not, but if you watch Joe Burrow take whether or not they are nine and five or nine and four or seven and six, the way they are now, or even 11 and three, Joe Burrow is again, taking a beating this year. And I don't think if you have a franchise quarterback, like they have in Burrow, it's not sustainable for him to be taking the number of hits that he's been taking. Some of that is his own doing. And Zach Taylor has been pretty honest in saying that this year that, you know, yes, it's easy to criticize and, and, and kill the offensive line, but uh, Joe Burrow has got to do a better job of getting rid of the ball when he sees pressure coming and not hold on to it so long. And I think as the season's gone on, he's been better about doing that. Speaking of Joe Burrow, 25 of 34, 348 yards on Sunday, two touchdowns, no picks, quarterback rating of 125.6. As you noted, Kelsey, in your analysis of Sunday's loss to San Francisco, uh, one of his best games of the year and one of his best games in a Bengal uniform. Why do you think that was? Uh, his accuracy. Um, I think like it's, I mean, it's hard because the Bengals needed that win for a lot of reasons, but had the Bengals won that game, I think from like a national perspective, that game would have been talked about way more just simply because of the way Joe Burrow right. took the team back. Um, I mean, there was not one throw in the game where I was like, that was not a good throw by him. Um, and there's been games where I was like, that's, that wasn't a good throw. End of the San Diego game, the pick in the end zone. For yeah. He, I thought he played really, really well. And he really seems to like moments where he can put the whole team on his shoulders and like bring them back. I think he likes those situations and enjoys the moment and trying to be able to do that. Um, but from just like an accuracy standpoint, I thought Joe Burrow was phenomenal against the 49ers. And I always like to read what like other head coaches say after the game about the opposing team. And I read something that Kyle Shanahan said before the game, it was in Peter King's story on Monday that, um, he said, Joe Burrow is really, really good. And I, I mean, Kyle knows a good quarterback when he's seen one. And so I think that performance was one of Joe Burrow's best performances this year. And it's a bummer that the Bengals couldn't end it in a win because that would have been a, probably a performance you talk about for a long time to come because the kid is, was so, so sharp on Sunday. So the throw that he made on the first touchdown to Jamar chase is a throw that a veteran, many veteran quarterbacks in the NFL wouldn't even make. And that is throwing to an open spot, expecting your receiver, which obviously has long-term chemistry with him. Jamar chase going back to LSU. He expected Jamar to cut on a dime and run to the open space because he was throwing at the back of the defensive back, knowing the defensive back wouldn't see the throw. And he threw to the spot and Jamar chase ran it down. That to me sums up Joe Burrow and, how brilliant of a quarterback he can be. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't disagree with you at all. I thought he was fantastic in the red zone. Yeah. It's just sharp all around. And it's, I, I can't quite put my finger on, and I'm going to go back and watch the game today, but like what exactly happened in the first half where he's able to do that with, you know, two minutes to go, but they can't seem to muster a drive like that to start the game. I just, I don't understand why that's such an issue for this team. 
Well, and I think they were overly, and I'm somebody who loves the running game. They were overly reliant on establishing the run against the 49ers and for whatever reason, didn't decide early in the game to attack two were two inexperienced defensive backs backups on the corners, because that's where the 49ers were banged up, right? Kelsey going into that game, they were really banged up in the secondary. And for whatever reason, they didn't attack it. And I did not, for the love of God, understand the start of the second half when they were down 17 to six and you run three runs essentially between the tackles and then run off the field and punt. That is just, I didn't understand that. And I certainly didn't understand taking one shot on second down as Zach Taylor acknowledged on Monday in the zoom call. Yeah. The second down call was probably the one he regrets not putting the ball back in Joe Joe's hands and throwing. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, again, like, Joe Mixon has been good enough that I don't quite have so much of an issue with Zach's play calling that everybody does. I think it's really easy for people to play Monday morning quarterback and act like they could do a better job than what Zach Taylor's doing. Um, The Bengals wouldn't be in the position they are if it weren't for Zach Taylor and his play calling. So from that standpoint, um, I think you have to remember that. Um, But I think like Joe Mixon has been, I know he wasn't in that game doing a whole lot, but it's really hard to say you disagree with him giving Joe Mixon a chance because Joe Mixon's been really good this year. Right. But I just three straight runs. I I think that is not the way to go. Oh no, I'm talking about an overtime overtime. I see what you're saying. Um, I didn't, I don't have a problem running the ball in overtime, especially against the light box, which San Francisco did a good job all game showing light box and then filling it fast as the coaches brought up yesterday. But um, I just think the way they were connecting in the middle of San Francisco's zone and connecting on the edge with CJ Uzama, I think there was more yardage to be made. And I think they were doing San Francisco a favor, just given the way that uh, drive and to be in overtime was unfolding. That's, that's my only point. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we can play Monday morning quarterback all day. I know, but that's what we do, Kelsey. That's why it's so much fun to be on this <laughs> side of the microphone and not having to do make the hard calls that obviously Zach Taylor does and whatnot. I I just personally, I personally don't ever, like I will never publicly criticize someone's play calling because I just think like you, you, we don't know all that goes into everything. And I think it's, it can sometimes get a little reckless. All right. I I will take that for what it is. And uh, I respect that opinion very much. Um, We're going to move on now uh, to what the Bengals need to do consistently in the last four games, starting in Denver, which is always a difficult place to play late in the season. And Denver's in the same spot that the Bengals are. When you take a look at the Denver Broncos and Vic Faggio, what do you think the Bengals need to do going in there? Is it as simple as take care of the football, don't fumble, and is Darius Phillips back for turning punts? I mean, the Bengals just need to, like, wake up in the first half. Like, I think that their offense is better than the Broncos' defense. But, like, if the Bengals are going to continue to sleepwalk their way into the second half, like it's going to be hard for me to say the Bengals are going to win the game. Um, 
on paper, would you say, I actually think these teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, the Broncos have a lot of talent on offense um, and they've got a good defensive core. Um, they're kind of been a letdown, but a lot of that I think has been Teddy Bridgewater. But um, I think the Bengals, if they show up and they're able to like, this team is so much better when they play with the lead. So if this yes. offense is able to show up, put some points on the board, get uh, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd involved early. Um, I'm thinking that the Bengals, like they don't need to reinvent the wheel at this point, but like, again, it's going to come down to if this team can play better in the first half of the game, because in December, you can't wait to the second half to bring your best. So it's great that you brought up the Bengals are so much better with the lead because and I haven't done the numbers on this. I would, I'd like to see what the breakdown is. The number of Joe Mixon uh, explosive runs, i.e. over 10 yards, come with the Bengals in the lead and come in the second half when the Bengals are uh, really running away from opponents. And I bring up the Raiders game is, to me, the number one example of that. When the Bengals got the lead and they really did a do a great job of establishing Mixon in the second half and in the fourth quarter. And then uh, you take a look at the Steeler game. He ran the ball incredibly well. The Lions game, when the Bengals started to blow out Detroit in the second half, a lot of his explosive runs came in the second half. That, to me, is why, to your point, Kelsey, it's so important for the Bengals to get out to the lead because if they can do that, then I think Joe Mixon really becomes the weapon that I think everybody thinks he can be. Yeah, I mean, it's TBD, dot, dot, dot. That's how I feel like I enter every Bengals game now because I thought I had a good idea of who this team was after the Steelers game, and then I just didn't see these last two weeks coming. But, I mean, it'll be an interesting and fun December, right? <laughs> uh, it will be, and uh, to your point, I, I, don't, I don't buy the argument like you don't buy it. Uh, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth that just because they're young, they can't win. I think there are young teams around the NFL that have pr- that come out of nowhere and establish a winning mentality. They just have, you have to execute and you have to take care of the ball. And that's where I think sometimes a ben- this Bengal team, I feel they're, they're a year away, not because they don't know how to win, but because their, their roster isn't quite where it needs to be to compete with the New England's, the Kansas cities. And I say that because I just don't see the depth on the offensive line. I just don't see them being consistent enough in protecting Joe Burrow. If once they get the offensive line hammered out to me, this is a legit division winner year in and year out. I go back to that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But like the time's ticking because typically your, your best shot at kind of beefing up your offensive line, whether it be free agency or like, they need to do it and they need to do it while Burrow's on his rookie contract because at some point mm. they're not going to be able to keep Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and um, Tyler, Tyler Boyd at some right. point, like, and then Pedro Burrow. So they, they've got to figure it out. That's why I keep going back to this is a major missed opportunity because I was a part of covering a team that went from Super Bowl contender to one of the worst teams in football because of the salary cap issues. Um, so the Bengals have a rookie contract. They have a quarterback on a rookie contract. Like these are the next two to three years for them to really figure some things out, whether it be on the offensive line or from like a personnel standpoint. So that's why I'm saying like, it's, it's hard to keep saying like they're a year away. 
because like the good teams like understand that and take advantage of it now. That is Kelsey Conway. She is on Twitter at Kelsey L Conway. All one word does an amazing job covering the Cincinnati Bengals or the Cincinnati Inquirer. Kelsey, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet. And uh, that is Kelsey Conway for Kelsey. I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Jungle Roar podcast.